Welcome to the first interview in the Digital Leaders Podcast. My name is Fabian Tausch. I introduced myself a bit longer in the first episode. It's called The Backstory of Digital Leaders, where I talk about a bit of uh, about the last three years of my life because I'm a 22-year-old entrepreneur living in Berlin right now. And I'm explaining how I ended up interviewing um, the digital leaders of today and some of the world's most successful people out there. And to kick things off, I thought, okay, I bring in a legend. And it's really, really crazy. I have a very interesting backstory with this guy regarding the email conversation we had. So please stay tuned for the interview with Guy Kawasaki. Guy Kawasaki worked with Steve Jobs as he was the chief evangelist at Apple um, back then. He quitted Apple twice. He's now a brand ambassador for Mercedes-Benz. He is um, a chief evangelist for Canva.com, which you might know for um, designing all stuff uh, that's important for online. And he has done so much more. He started surfing with 62, which is, I think, a very great thing to talk about as well. And we did. And there are so many topics. And he published a new book. That was a perfect spot to interview him. He's talking about the lessons from his life, and that's exactly what the interview focuses on as well. I'm more than happy to let you dive in to the brain of Guy Kawasaki, and at the end, I will also give away some of his books, so please stay tuned. Have a great time. Let's welcome Guy Kawasaki. Welcome back to another podcast interview, and today I have the honor to welcome Guy Kawasaki. Guy is the former chief evangelist of Apple. By the way, he quit Apple twice. He is the chief evangelist at Canva, brand ambassador for Mercedes-Benz, author of 15 books and a lot more that we can talk about in the in the interview. So thank you very, very much for joining. Um, I'm really happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, you're in Germany, right? And I'm a Mercedes-Benz brand ambassador, so I love German cars. Let's see if we can uh, see us in Stuttgart or Berlin at any time. Ah, I, anytime, anytime you want. <laughs> I think it's more about you coming to Germany, but I will figure that out. So that's, that's not a problem. I, I can fly anywhere because Germany is pretty small compared to the US. So that's yeah. not a problem. Okay. As opposed I, I've, I've spent many an hour in the Frankfurt airport. Believe me, man. It's the most confusing airport in the world. <laughs> it is. That's why I don't fly from there. <laughs> On the other hand, you know, direct opposite, Munich. I love the Munich airport. You know, Munich airport, you get off your airplane and sometimes there's a Mercedes or a Porsche waiting for you, take you to your next flight. And Munich is good. That means that you're flying at least business or first class, which is not my <laughs> normal way to fly and travel. But I think that's totally fine. And I'm, well, I think it will happen to me at some point, but it didn't okay. yet. Uh, <laughs> When I was your age, I was flying in coach, so don't yeah, worry. so that's that's the same for me. As I'm 22, <laughs> I have a lot of time to get to first class, so I don't don't really um, yeah, okay. feel bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> what I find is interesting that uh, you started with at Stanford University, yep. and I really had to love when you told the story that you were paying some of the checks with money from Las Vegas, as you yeah. and your father were. <laughs> 
um, playing a bit of poker there and some some other. Well, it was craps, but yeah, close enough. Okay, sorry, <laughs> then I didn't didn't recognize it and that much. But how do you feel about looking back to all the achievements that you have in the the age that you have right now, and you wrote the book, and you really got through all the details in your life and tried yeah. to pull out wisdom from there. How was the feeling while writing the book? It was very satisfying because I've had a lot of experiences in my life that have generated a lot of wisdom and I wanted to pass the wisdom on. Uh, I don't want people to think I've gone through my life doing everything right because that's certainly not the case. And at least if you read my book, you'll know what to avoid. So that, that was a valuable perspective. And I wanted to leave something where I helped empower people. Uh, but I, I want to be perfectly clear about this book. It's not a memoir or autobiography in the sense that, you know, Ferdinand Porsche could have an autobiography or uh, Nelson Mandela or you know, Michelle Obama, but not Guy Kawasaki. Um, yeah, my life is not that dramatic. There won't be any movies about my life. But having said that, you know, I'm probably in the sweet spot of many people's lives about the kind of decisions, the kind of wisdom that would help them. That's what you say, that you don't earn or whatever uh, an autobiography. I think yeah. some other people might think different. But it's very interesting. What I really loved about the book, as we are all living in a business world at some point, and everybody is just talking about business nowadays, Yep. That you really brought in family, sports, and everything else to really make it different from all the books that are coming out right now, which I really, really loved and I really appreciate. And what I also think is an interesting point is that you started um, learning new sports activities with your <laughs> children. Very late, yes. Very late. I think starting with 60, surfing, 62, something like that. Uh, surfing was 62 and hockey was 48. And uh, so... so you know, many people, what they do is they make their kids or they encourage their kids to take up their profession or their sport, right? So if you're a football player, you make your kid take up football, hockey or basketball or I don't know, whatever it is, surfing or knitting or whatever it is. I had the opposite. And so when my two older sons took up hockey, I took up hockey. And my daughter took up surfing, I took up surfing. Uh, having said that, I drew the line at one place because... One of my sons is now a wingsuiter, and wingsuiting is something I will not do. I draw the line there. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can understand that because <laughs> I think wingsuiting is something, it sounds so dangerous, but I think you told or you wrote about it in the book that it, if you know some of the, um, or how to do it, it seems not to be that scary anymore, but well, I you're not going to get me to try that. And, and listen, you know, you don't just go out and go wingsuiting. I think you have to take about two or 300 um, parachute jumps before you can do a wingsuit jump. So uh, that ain't happening for me. A lot of hours that you would have. Yes, yes. It's not something you, you know, it's not something you just go on a weekend dare. <laughs> what? Um, what I'm interested in at the moment is I think you talked about it a bit in the book, but I'm focusing on the topic right now a bit. And mm -hmm. I think a question that might interest a few people as you work with people like Steve Jobs and whatever, and I don't want to make it about Steve Jobs and whatever, but <laughs> what role did mentors play in your life? Yes. So I had a, you know two, three mentors in my life. 
one who taught me sales, one who helped me navigate Apple. Uh, they were very valuable. Uh, they helped me avoid many mistakes. They also sort of paved the way for me. They, uh, you know, the term we like to use in the U.S. for parents who do this is they're lawnmower parents in that they're in front of you and they just mow everything down so it's easier for you. So I had a few mentors who you know, kind of mowed a few things down for me. Uh, very valuable. Although I will tell you, I don't consider myself a very good mentor because I, I just, I have four kids and raising four kids is hard enough. So I don't really have any mental capacity to help anybody else. Um, I can, I can make things move, but I can't make them move all the time for a small group of people beyond my family. How's that? I just wanted to know about your mentors and how yeah. you liked it and not about you being a mentor as you are as a parent. <laughs> it's like you're mentoring kind of, in, a, in any way you're mentoring your, your children as well. So I think yeah. children are a lot um, to do. So <laughs> even when I do not have the experience with that, I don't think, and that, that was also not a question, what about you mentoring, but yeah. more like how important mentors have been or not. Very. <laughs> regarding regarding your time at Apple, I yes. I think you were talking a bit about that not everything was perfect all the time and you had some some struggles there. But I do not want to talk too much about about Apple, but what did you learn at Apple that you are now using at Canva? Yeah. Well, I think that uh There's many lessons from Apple that I use at Canva and in general. So one lesson is that people, your current customers, can't necessarily tell you how to truly be innovative. Basically, they will tell you to build whatever they're getting from you in a better, faster, cheaper way. Right. So if you're buying an Apple II from Apple, you're not going to tell Apple to create a Macintosh. If you're buying a Macintosh from Apple, you're not going to tell Apple to create an iOS device. Uh, another thing that I learned is that design counts. Uh, it certainly counted with Macintosh, and it certainly counts with the user interface of Canva. Another thing is that I learned that if people truly love what you do, they will go just leaps and bounds beyond what you think and help you. There are people who are Macintosh evangelists. There are people who are Canva evangelists. They're not shareholders. They're not employees. They just love, just love what you do. And so they view it as they're telling their friends and relatives to use something, not because it's good for them, but because it's good for the other person. And, and that is a you know, very good definition of evangelism. Very interesting, because I think a lot of people in my age might not really understand what evangelism is about and yeah. why it's so important. Because I think without your work as an evangelist, I might not use my MacBook right now with all the software that I have. <laughs> that's That's... That's possible. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's not like my work or my effort or whatever that I was indispensable for Apple. But yeah, I, I helped out. So. What I also think you gave as an advice for younger people is that you, or also for everybody who might be a designer, a freelancer in any case, or want to achieve something maybe more than 
normal people is that you have to work for free and put in the work up front, which is a very, very interesting point nowadays where everybody wants to have everything right now. And that also means cash for the work you do right now or. Yeah. Uh, And listen, there are going to be a lot of people who disagree with what I just said or what you just said that I said, um, yeah, uh, the example I use is, of course, graphic design. That when I wanted a book cover designed, I, you know, put it out on social media, and I got 750 designs, and I picked one, and only that one person made a thousand dollars. So the graphic design industry would say that I exploited 749 people, and I only paid one. Uh, my attitude is: listen, I gave 750 people who would have never had a shot a shot. So. Uh, in my own career, I have given hundreds of free speeches, okay? And these free speeches led to paid speeches because you give a free speech and somebody says, oh, you know, guy was great. My husband, my wife is having a corporate meeting. They need somebody like him. So a free speech led to a paid speech. If I had the attitude that I will not do any free speeches, I would not have nearly as many paid speeches. And so, you know, you have to give to get. Yeah, it's very interesting. As I mentioned, a lot of young people right now, as we are used to getting everything in the moment, yeah, is are, are maybe pretty unsatisfied by providing work first and then try or wait for receiving something reward. as a reward. Well, they better get over it because that's how the world works. Sure, sure. And I think you might not know that and some of the listeners as well. I think I'm managing that quite well. Not perfectly, but it's it's okay. But I think and I see it with a lot of my friends that are, let's say, at university right now and they're like, hey, how can you do hours and hours of podcasting or speaking or talking to younger people and then not getting paid for it? And I'm like, why shouldn't I? And a lot of people don't have the mindset, and that's that's very interesting. You know, I, I, it's the the right word is mindset, right? So, I mean, athletics is an easy example, so we'll stick with that for a second. But for for every professional athlete, there were thousands of hours where you played practice for free. It's not like you know the moment you decide to become a professional athlete. Uh, in high school that all of a sudden you're paid. I mean, you're not paid in high school. You're not paid in college. And then you might get drafted and then you might make the team and then you might play. And even if you play, you still have to practice beyond, you know, what what is expected during the season. So if you don't have the attitude that you're going to invest in yourself and you're going to work your ass off, lightning may strike. You may just get lucky, but it's unlikely. And so, uh, you know, people ask me, so how long did it take to write this book? Well, in one sense, it took me two years. In another sense, it took me 64 years. And that's just how it is. And uh, if you spread what I'm making over this, for this book over 64 years, let me tell you, it ain't much. So uh, it's, you just have to pay the price. And you can't get, if you can't wrap your mind around paying the price, then yeah, I don't know. Just go be an investment banker or something. I don't know. <laughs> Besides putting in the work up front and paying the price, what would you consider critical advice for younger people at the moment? Well, I would say that I think younger people, they are 
they, and I did this too, you know, you try to optimize that first job out of school, right? And you want to find that perfect thing. And I think you need to like chill out because over the course of your career, you're going to have so many jobs. You're probably going to forget what your first job was. And uh, as long as you're learning, any job is good. So, you know, don't worry about, you know, getting that perfect first job, second job, whatever. Just, just dive into stuff. And I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you to be lazy or anything and, and not try to best your best to get a good job. But I don't think you should, you know, if you didn't get accepted by Apple, Google, uh, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Cisco, you know, whatever, if you didn't get that, like, fortune 500 brand job don't worry about it because you know maybe you're starting at a company that will become a fortune 500 company or maybe you're just gaining a skill set that will someday pay off and uh you know that that you will forget your first job i promise you does this also relate to not try to come through university as quick as possible Well, that's my theory. Of course, I don't. I hope my kids don't apply it too strongly. But I, I think that um, the university time in your life is going to be one of the happiest times of your life. When all you had to do was study, and you meet all these new people, and you don't have, you know, kids and cars and mortgages and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you should enjoy that because, man, you have the whole rest of your life to work. Don't be in a rush to go to work. Let's see if your kids are just surfing during the <laughs> university life or if they are um, yeah, we shall see. not we stretching shall it out see. too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on stretching in your definition. <laughs> <laughs> What would you consider a good age to really start thinking about going into the work, um, yeah, let's say world, working world? I don't know, 22, something like that. <laughs> you know, 20, 22, something like that. Okay. Just, just asking. As so, now I should start working for somebody. So, okay, well, I mean, not necessarily. There are many paths to success. There's no, you know, there's no straight and simple one. As you or let, let me let me ask a different question. Yeah. Um, what was the book? Um, I think I know the answer because I read it in your book. But what was the book you gave away the most over the last years? Gave away. You mean not my own book, obviously, right? Exactly. So, uh, well, let's say the book I've recommended the most is If You Want to Write by Brenda Ulett because it's so empowered me as a writer and it can empower anyone to do anything. It's not just for writers. It's for programmers, designers, musicians, actors, videographers. Anything you want to do that's creative, you should read this book if you want to write. Why did it inspire you so much? Because it basically said, if you want to write, write. Don't worry about, you know, you don't have a PhD in English. Uh, don't worry about external people saying, you know, how can you be a writer? You don't have an advanced degree. You've never written before. You should ignore the negativity from the outside. You should also ignore the doubt that you have inside that, you know, how can I be a writer? I don't have a PhD in English. Well, you don't need a PhD in English to write. Just write. And Same thing. You don't need a PhD in computer science to program. You don't need a PhD in, you know, media arts to be a videographer. Just if you want to shoot video and make movies, make movies. So it's really about the mindset that you need to yes. start Most and mindset, not yes. always to procrastinate. Yes. Well, it's not even procrastination. 
I mean, you, you could have the attitude that you're a very diligent, hard worker, and you're going to get a PhD in English, and then you'll write something. And this is saying that you don't necessarily need a PhD in English. Now, if you're getting a PhD in English, I'm not telling you to stop. I mean, that may be your life dream to be a doctorate of English, but... It, I don't think you should make the calculation that well, in order for me to write a book, I need a PhD in English. In order for me to be a computer a programmer, I need a PhD in computer science. In order for me to be a, anything, I need a master's or anything in anything. Just do it. It's very important because as well, nowadays, everybody is like, what does other people think? What do other people think about what I'm doing right now? Who gives a shit? Just yeah. do it. <laughs> But everybody has the mindset to think first about the other people and then about themselves. Or a That's lot of true. People. I'm telling you, get over that. <laughs> sure, sure, you're right. Listen, I just, let me tell you something. You know, um, if you were to ask most people, what do you think? I'm going to start surfing at 62. Guess what most people would tell you? <laughs> yeah, that you don't or won't make it. That's right. And you're too old. Yeah. But it seems like you made it, so and you can stand, you can stand yeah, on the board, stand. and you can surf. That's that's yeah. made it in the terms of just getting to surf. And I can have a lot of fun surfing. Yes. Yeah, that's the most important thing, and I think <laughs> um, that comes along with the mindset that you have, and that you don't take life too serious. As <laughs> as I told you before, um, I. And I heard it in a book that it's happened a lot of times, first with Jackie Chan and then with Robert Kiyosaki, <laughs> that people mix you up sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. even when we met in Frankfurt already, and I told you about Canva, in the yeah. mail, I made, a, I made a mistake and I said, I love Rich Dad Poor Dad. And <laughs> I was like, holy shit, hopefully he won't read it. I, I <laughs> mail afterwards immediately with saying sorry. And it was more, way more embarrassing when I saw that you read the mail, you answered it, and I was like, no way, this couldn't happen. But you don't take it too serious. And you, you mentioned this in the book, and I, I think that's also the same kind of attitude that helps you getting over people thinking, oh, he's too old to start. Um, well, surfing. I mean, even more importantly, uh, A, you shouldn't take yourself too damn serious. And B, you know, people make mistakes. So, you know what? Don't hold it against them. And see, you know, like, if you're going to go through life easily offended, you're going to have a miserable life, man. <laughs> you got you to gotta learn to just ignore people and ignore funny stuff or appreciate the humor in funny stuff. The cool thing about your email was, huh, I thought a joke. I'm just quoting. That's what you answered me while you could have been upset or whatever. <laughs> so I really love the response, but it was still embarrassed oh, okay so so here's here's a tricky part so in this book i tell this story about people confusing me with jackie chan and robert kiyosaki and so now sometimes people who've read the book or have heard the story they come up to me and they say you know i love rich dad poor dad and every time i have to think do they really think i'm kiyosaki or are they pulling my leg because they read the book so now it's even harder because they're There are many times in the past few weeks, people come up to me and they like say, oh, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. They start laughing. And I don't know if they're laughing because it's an inside joke or they're laughing because, I don't know, they're happy or something. So now, I, and, you know, if I went into this whole diatribe, then, then they're going to say, oh, yeah, I, I'm pulling your leg. I knew you're not 
Ralph, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. So I've made it even harder for myself. <laughs> I have to be honest. I made the mistake first and then I read the book. <laughs> And then I was like, shit, I could have said it was a joke. <laughs> but I, I fooled myself by answering, no, it was not a joke. I was just mixing up. But yeah, okay. it, it happened. But it was, hey, I'm here, right? I'm on your podcast, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm really happy about that. So <laughs> I, I don't complain. I just wanted to show that to other people as well and show that maybe some of them and even myself might take ourselves to to uh, serious and maybe we can definitely well we definitely can learn something from that story so that's what i wanted to refer to <laughs> so what i also think is um pretty cool what you talked about before is like giving speeches for free and then some of them lead to paid speeches but also you're not always out there for money and sometimes it's also about somebody giving you freebies or whatever i know that you turned it down in the in the meantime but I really love the story where you got um, access to a webcam in Santa Cruz to check yeah. out the surfing conditions and then yeah. bought a house there to go surfing. Or maybe you bought a yeah, house before. But. I have, uh, although there's a professional service that now has a better view for where I go, but for a while I had access to one of the most exclusive webcams in the world because it was on top of Jack O'Neill's house in Santa Cruz. And on top of Jack O'Neill's house in Santa Cruz, that house, if people are familiar, is right on the cliff. I mean, there is not a more famous house in surfing than that house. Uh, maybe the one at Pipeline. But, uh, yeah, that was a great view. So when do you think about or how do you decide on getting money, doing it for free, or getting something else in return? Uh, you know, it's catch as catch can. I mean, uh, well, there's there's three kind of main factors, right? So one is, is it an organization or industry that I like? Another is, you know, do I feel a moral obligation to help this kind of organization? And the third is, you know, how much fun would it be? And so, and any two of those three would work. So sometimes, like, I feel a moral obligation to help educators. And, you know, the conference is in Kona. Well, hell yes, I you know, I'd go. Um, uh, generally speaking, I, I, what what gates me in accepting speeches is that it takes me away from my family. So you know, if if somebody says, "Well, we're having this conference with two thousand people in the south of France, and it'll be you know just all the the cream of marketing or social media or whatever," or you know, we're a, a large brand and we don't pay speakers. Honestly, I would turn them down because that would be something like, okay, so you clearly have the money. You're probably going to spend two, $3 million on this conference, but you expect me to do this for free because you think I want to get on an airplane, fly to the south of France, take four days of my life for free and take me away from my family for four days. I won't do it. I won't do it. So some of it is who's asking. And if, you know, if my perception is you're rich and successful and you're making a lot on this conference, I am not doing it for free. 
to be honest, it sounded like the lions of Cannes, like the Cannes lions, but um, south of France, marketing decision makers. <laughs> no, they, they, they never have invited me. You know, I'm not good enough for them. So I, I, I didn't mean it to point to them. No, it's, 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 it's <laughs> fine. I was just, uh, just uh, trying to figure it out. But I think everybody who can't understand that yet should definitely listen to the last part of the book where, you, where your son writes something about you where you're flying with a private jet just to catch his football game. So that's <laughs> yeah, how that much I did. That That's I how did. much you want to be with your family. And I think um, everybody who wants to invite you should consider a good solution for that uh, struggle if it's not close to where you live. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I had one more question in mind, but right okay. now I'm like a bit confused. What did I want to ask? <laughs> I don't know. Ah, yeah. Um, I think it's very, very hard to imagine, but... Can you take us into your life right now and how does it look like? Like, how is a typical week going at, in the oh. life of Guy Kawasaki? Uh, well, right now, I just finished the book, so I'm doing a lot of these and appearances. Uh, but you know, that only happens once every two or three years. So generally speaking, I get up, I make breakfast for my youngest son, who's still with us. And then I take him to school. Then I go to a coffee shop and I answer email and do social media and then... Then I work, you know, a few hours doing that. Then I eat lunch, and then I do more email and social media, and then I go pick up my son. And you know, <laughs> uh, some days uh, when my wife picks him up, I just go surfing during the day. So you know, basically, I answer email, I do social media, and I surf. That sounds not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Also, the coffees and the and the lunch um, seems to be a good good option. Pizza so, sharp. Yeah, yeah. How often do you do you travel for some events or speeches? Uh, you know, I could I could look in Tripit and tell you exactly. I think I make about a hundred trips a year, and probably do seventy-five speeches. So something like that: seventy-five speeches, maybe a hundred trips a year. That's a lot, to be honest. I travel a lot. Yeah. So. How often do you fly to Europe, for example? Oh, or Asia, no. or whatever, like everything that's outside of the US and more than, let's say, three, four hours flight? Uh, well, New York is more than three or four hours. So, okay. uh, but outside the country, 20 times a year, maybe, okay. something like that. Uh, South America, Europe, Asia, Canada. Yeah, I mean, I. I travel a lot. I know, I know almost every major city in the world, the airport, the hotel, and the, and the, and the road getting to the airport and back. Because so I, I, I fly in and out. Like I, I'll come to – if I were speaking in, in Germany, I would fly in. I'd get there the morning uh, – the, the evening before. I would speak the next morning and try to leave the same day. I spend – you know, an ideal trip for me is 24 hours in the city. Okay. So now I have to ask, as you say that you know the most major airports, um, compare Berlin to Munich or Frankfurt. Like, what, how do you like the airports there? Yeah, you know, I, I've only been to Berlin three or four times, so I don't, have a, I don't have a particularly strong memory of the Berlin airport. I have a very strong memory of Frankfurt, because Frankfurt, I mean, 
oh, with Frankfurt, you know, you land and then you it seems like you go through security and customs and then you go back out and then you go back through another security. And then every 50 feet, there's a sign that says, you know, this is the Lufthansa lounge and it's pointing in a different direction. And then you go through security again. And uh, Frankfurt to me is just a maze. <laughs> and there's multiple levels of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> So we should definitely talk to Mercedes Benz and tell them to bring you to Berlin that you can uh, evaluate the airports as well. Okay. <laughs> so um, if somebody in my age comes to you and asks you for advice, what is yeah. the most common advice that you give to young people? Well, I mean, it depends on what they ask. Um, If they're asking general advice, I would say just live off your parents as long as you can and don't worry about your first job. And if you're starting a company, focus on the prototype, not on the pitch. Okay. Okay? So, sure. <laughs> It's your answer, so why shouldn't That's it be? That's my answer, me? yeah, exactly. Um, focusing on the prototype and not the pitch means don't oversell what you have or just try to figure out a product like the MVP first and then go out with it without overpromising? No, it, it means that the the purpose of a company is to create customers, not create PowerPoint or Keynote or even Canva. Canva has 16 by 9 presentations now. So the key is not the pitch. The key is the company or the product. And the product is the prototype. I mean, in a good pitch, you would do a demo, not have to use slides. I think that's very important for a lot of entrepreneurs out there that start uh, a company right now. So mm -hmm. very, very interesting. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> let's see where I can go in the last, let's say, five minutes. So there's a lot of stuff that I could ask you right now. Mm. Just tell people to buy the book. That makes it simple. <laughs> I I, I um, send it out a few times already. So oh, thank you. Let's let's go for let let's go for this. Um, I would say, or I would call everybody who listens to the podcast or sees a video or recording of that to hit me up on Instagram. I put that in the show notes and tell me what key takeaways you had from this interview. Like, what cool. did you like the most? What what didn't you? And then um, between all the answers that I get, I will give away, let's say, ten books. Oh. And I might increase the number if I if I get more relevant um, messages. Well, you, let's start with you ten. Do, you should send me you should send me the link to the Instagram post, and then I'll post it and say, okay, so you want to try and win a book? Go to this Instagram post. Oh, but no, you have to watch the podcast first, right? Yes, you have to. But I can yeah, send, so, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll send you the link to the podcast, okay. or I, I'll okay. share it on LinkedIn, and then you can you can. Um, reshare it or whatever yeah. and then we can we can do it that way and so, so, so send it to me via email not linkedin because linkedin messages is a mess for me i get too many of them and you know so many of those linkedin messages are total strangers saying you know let's connect well, why should i connect with you who the hell are you so that's not an efficient way to get in touch with me no i didn't mean it i just meant that i posted on linkedin first so you can reshare oh, oh, it okay, okay, okay. link off linkedin yeah. in a mail okay. so then should be fine and then you can you could, don't have to type in everything on your own because i think uh, of course you're doing a lot of social media but we don't have to do to increase the time that you spend on social media <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can keep that short 
So, okay, let's say if, if you share it, I have to increase the number because I can't tell people <laughs> that I just have 10 books if you share it then somewhere. Buy more. <laughs> let's do 50. Let's do okay. 50 if people send me messages on, on Instagram or LinkedIn as we share it yeah. there as well. Wait, wait, before you do this, you understand that 50 books or A is going to cost you a thousand bucks right there. And I'm then, sure. and then what if, you know, the question comes from, I don't know, like Afghanistan and, you know, it's not so easy to ship stuff to Afghanistan or, I don't know, you know, Sao Paulo or something. You, you could spend, you could, it could cost you 50 bucks to ship a book. Let, let's just say we make that happen somehow. And I'm, okay. uh, I'm happy to, to share the books if somebody is uh, okay. listening from there. Even when it might cost a bit, I know that it will be worth it. So okay. let's um, let's go for the fifty ones, and then it's, it's uh, I won't good. increase any more. But that, <laughs> that will be too expensive. But I think I think that's not too bad. And then okay. start from there, and let's see if uh, how many messages we will get. And okay. so, Alrighty. what would you want to say about the book in the end? Um, even when okay. we so. Basically, the book summarizes about 40 years of living. And if, if the listener is familiar with the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, you know, stories and lessons, uh, this is like my personal version of Chicken Soup for the Soul. So short story, and I call out the wisdom for each one. And it's not just business. It's a lot of business, but it's also life. It's, you know, sports and parenting and kids and writing and speaking so it there's a lot of stuff it's very it's a very broad book about how to how to live your life i can definitely recommend the book that's also why i want to give it away so you're you're happy to buy it or to to send me a message about it and then please feel free to read or listen to it because it's definitely worth it I listened to it in the last two days and I was, I had a lot of moments where I needed, needed a lot of, a, a long laugh because it was like really, <laughs> but also a lot of learning. So it's That's very, great. very important to, to listen to it and you will learn a lot. And Guy, thank you very much. I know that thank you will you. go to the next appointment in a few minutes. So thank you. I'm grateful for this opportunity. You take care. You too. Have a long, uh, a great day as your day is starting and mine is ending here in Berlin. <laughs> I'll, and, see, I'll, um, I'll see you on the Autobahn sometime. <laughs> hopefully in, in, in Germany or the next me convention, South by Southwest. We will meet again. So Okay. And Thank I'll, you. Yeah, thank you very much. Frankfurt Auto Show. Okay. Yeah. D-E-I-A-A? Is it I-A-A? I International... I don't know, something like something that. Something like that, okay. If I know that you're coming, I will get there. Okay, perfect. Okay. See Thank you there. You. Thank Take you very care. much. Bye. Bye. So, very nice. I stopped. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I think it was a really, really great interview with Guy. Guy is an awesome person. He is so, so funny. And I really think... Um, we can learn a lot uh, because everybody's so focused and trying to do everything correctly and then also taking things seriously and guys just like hey fuck that it's fun i will not stress out so just do it and i really liked uh, what guy talked about in the whole podcast and i think there are so many great lessons you can find it uh, summed up in an article 
on LinkedIn. Um, just search me, Fabian Tausch, or Digital Leaders on LinkedIn. Search the value lab .co slash um, digital minus leaders or um, just click on the link down in the episode description. You will find everything and you can have it uh, in a summary with all the lessons regarding the giveaway. Please feel free to sign into the newsletter and I will announce um, the winners of the books that I will give away to you um, in the newsletter thevaluelab.co slash news you will be directed to a sign up form we will just collect some data that we can hit you up inform you about strategies tools and new interviews that we are publishing here uh, on digital leaders with all the people that we interviewed as we've recorded more than 20 interviews already so it will be very very great stuff coming i'm more than happy that uh, you listen till the end i'm so so thankful and if you want to follow my journey a bit more please feel free to connect on instagram fabian.tausch t-a-u-s-e-h also in the description or on linkedin as mentioned before everything you'll find in the description so i'm really really thankful looking forward to the next episode with Bracken Daryl, he's the CEO of Logitech. He did a lot of stuff to turn this company around. And I'm very, very looking forward to publish this episode very soon.